Welcome to the CPD show, episode five, show five, depending what you want to label it as. Um, thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Continuous Professional Development, CPD show with myself, Cleon A. Wilson, and my dear wife, Amanda Wilson. And today's episode is going to be a kind of a two-parter. This week, we're focusing on coaching and in next week's episode, we'll be looking at mentoring because the two are interchangeable, but they're two very different elements. And I thought it would be interesting to have a discussion about the difference between the two and how each one has its merits and has its benefits. So Cleon, in a nutshell, what would you describe coaching as? So it's about an individual, a client or coachee, as they're sometimes referred to, being supported by a coach and that coach does not necessarily have to have expertise in the area or that's being discussed or the problem or the issue at hand they've got a set of skills whereby they can support that person to get from a to b in a, in a quicker route as possible without blocks without stumblings and dilemmas and so on so they're there to support them through that process so with coaching, so you mentioned with coaching the fact that you don't need to have that expertise. So what is the expertise that the coach brings to that relationship? Deeper levels of listening, more than just listening on the surface. It's kind of what's known as level three listening. So that, that depth of listening to not just what the person's saying, but also what I guess the kind of subtext is and what's happening and what's being said behind the conversation. Also being able to ask sometimes insightful questions or questions that open up more discussion and they're more explorative. So questioning, being able to be a support and advocate a lot of the time for that person as well as to be able to challenge them, but in a very distinct way. I think a lot of, in terms of the training that I received on coaching, a lot of it was around not giving advice. Yeah, yeah. so a few years ago I undertook a postgraduate certificate in coaching and mentoring skills with Oxford Brookes University and that was a really useful degree course because it's something I was able to use in my teaching career when I was mentoring student teachers and fellow teachers as well and it's quite right in what you said that one of the key things is about the listening because you have to be able to hear what the client for want of a better term is saying and what they what they perceive the the blockage or the challenge to be because very often the answer is with the client. Very often they perceive their, themselves to have a problem and they perceive that they don't have the answer. But through the use of a coach and through the, the skills of a coach and the tools that the coaches use, they can actually help to draw out that answer. And you're, you're right in the sense that it's not about the coach giving the solution. It's not about the coach giving the answers. It's about helping them to facilitate their client to reach that end goal. Absolutely. I think the words that you... Some of the terms you use in terms of facilitate and perception, two really good points. Because the client, a lot of the time, they do perceive their, them to not being able to get to point B as quickly as possible. Or maybe yeah. ever to get to point B or to get to that place. And a lot of the time, coaches, really skilled coaches and coaches that then build that rapport and that relationship with the client are going to be able to unblock that and to be able to show that client, show that person that may be based on past experiences or past successes or what they're saying or what they're putting in place, the plans, the progress they're making on that journey, that it's more than doable, more than possible for them to get there. And, and you know, a lot of the time the coach will be their biggest cheerleader in, in sometimes a corporate or a, a work setting where lots of people are maybe very competitive, over-competitive, 
or people are just looking out for themselves, looking out for their own departments, their own kind of issues, and then not necessarily have anyone in their corner. So perception's a really good point that you said and facilitate as well. So just to really support them in that on that journey with sometimes the questioning and the approach may need to be a bit more fierce and there's fierce conversations I believe the term was that that I learned many years ago when I did the course and having those courageous conversations as well is really important because sometimes there is that loop that that client will be in of of just it could just be about whinging about the problem and the issue it could be around them thinking they can't make any more progress or they can't it's not achievable their goal all that kind of stuff and there sometimes needs to be an approach taken by the coach which is more direct more assertive more aggressive depending on 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 your flavor and the way you see it but it's really there to try and unglue and unstick the rut they're in and get them back on that journey to point b yeah and coaching can be quite an uncomfortable situation to find yourself in it can be an uncomfortable relationship because the coach has to be the one that identifies certain things in you as a, as a, as a, as a coachee that you might not want to acknowledge yourself. And I've come across that several times in the coaching relationships that I've had when I've been a coach to somebody in that they've identified an issue and you are helping them to resolve that. It's like you said, you know, find themselves in a sticky situation, mm. but they are so intent on not being or not wanting to see the solution that you have to draw them towards the how detrimental that can be to their progress if they don't actually you know really identify and and acknowledge that there's an issue there because very often one of the reasons people ask or want a coach is because they've got to the point where they're not able to make progress themselves so the Mm. very by the very nature and in most sometimes yeah in most instances you'd you'd hope that that coaching relationship that coaching relationship is one that's a mutual relationship it's been wanted rather than been forced upon because it's not going to be effective if it's if somebody's been forced to have a coach you know if their line manager said look you know you need support in this area i'm going to get you a coach it has to be something Absolutely. that is very it has to be something that's mutual that's in mutual agreement in order for it to be of benefit because otherwise what you'll find is when you have those coaching sessions because it's all about you it's more you are the one talking as as the the client it's about what you bring to the table. It's not about what the coach brings to the table. You have to bring your issue. You have to bring mm. what your challenge is. You have to be able to identify that there is a, an issue in the first place in order for that coach to be able to then work with you to work towards a solution. I think absolutely right. It, I think everyone's going nowhere fast if mm. it's just the case of, you know, you're, you've been forced into this situation, typically because there's some sort of underperformance in the workplace. And coaching can be seen as a weakness. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it really is now because it's, yeah, it's so, yes. it's so um, kind of far-reaching and, and there's so much of it happening, particularly in the United States and places like that, as well as over in the UK. So it's not seen as a weakness at all. I think it's now seen as a real strength, but there's still probably pockets out there that um, still see it as, you know, you've got an issue and, you know, you're, you're a problem or you're underperforming, you're not doing as well as you can do. So therefore, you need coaching, you must be coached, it's a directive, you have to do it. And then anything, as you're saying, you're directed to do and forced to do, you're not, I don't think you're typically going to get your best, it's going to get the best from you really, I think that's going to definitely then be a struggle. But yeah, no, the best coaching is the flip flip side to that, you want to be coached, you want to make a difference in terms of being the coach and taking that person on that journey. And, and sometimes 
there may not be a, a big issue in terms of a problem the way we see a problem in everyday thinking but it could be it's quite a big goal it's quite a big vision it's quite a big plan that you have and you just want that headspace you want to take that time away from the doing and just putting actions mm. in place kind of arbitrarily or willy-nilly and you want to just you want that moment sometimes it's mirror time it's a lot of reflecting back happens in the coaching dynamic from the coach and the client and um, it's just a time to have that active listening as I mentioned and then it being reflected back from the coach and then that client being able to actually see what it sounds like hear what it sounds like taste almost what it sounds like so that they can then realize okay this thing I've just had in my head rumbling around the whole time is is really maybe not for me or not my next step this might be my next step instead so there's a lot of trial and testing and seeing how the the, the chart can you know the course chart course how you can chart your way forward I guess is what I'm trying to say in terms of that dynamic and that space it's a real powerful space yeah I, I agree it is oh and one more other thing I'm sorry I wanted to say as well before I forget what's on that what's on this thought for the show is I brought in when I was looking through my, what I would label my man drawer uh, <laughs> of, uh, you know, bits and pieces, odds and ends that are in a drawer in the kitchen, typically. Not to be um, touched by There was else. three L plates, you know, the, the ones that you put on the car when someone's learning to drive. And so uh, my daughter, well done to her, learned to drive last year towards the end of the year. And these must have just been kicking in the drawers. So I chucked two of them away, kept one, and I looked at it. I thought, hmm, this might be useful for the show. Didn't know how it would be useful for the show. But I think it's useful now in the sense of being that learner in the in the uh, dynamic of learning to drive. I think there's a lot of coaching that can happen a lot of the time in that dynamic. In terms of that driving instructor, instructor giving you, of course, telling you about the highway code and the law and best way to drive and roundabouts and all the kind of different ways that and things that you need to learn to drive but ultimately it's that person behind the wheel which has a lot of the control not all the control because i guess technically in a proper car that you learn to drive in or, or one that's properly kitted out you'd have dual control so the um, instructor would have the control of the clutch and brake but i think the point is still the case that you know you control the steering wheel you're the one who's kind of able to with instruction with some direction, with some advice and guidance, be able to kind of chart your way forward. So I think a lot of the time uh, that client is almost like the the learner, if you like. Not that a coach is necessarily an expert in all areas, as I said at the beginning, but they certainly can They bring an expertise in terms of the questioning, the mirroring. They've been able to facilitate the process and hopefully get them there to their destination. Yeah, and I think about coaching from a personal point of view as a head teacher now one of the things that has been really beneficial for me over the past five six years since I came back into leadership role within schools is the fact that I've been engaged in group coaching and it's been it was led by or is led by a business psychologist who has worked with a group of head teachers for and leaders for quite a while and during our sessions what we do is each individual, and there's usually about, usually between five and eight of us there, each of us bring an issue to that session, something that we are struggling with, something that, you know, is happening in our everyday schools that we kind of want help with how to work through it. And so we bring our issue, we talk it through, and then the others 
in the group will ask questions. The, it's, very, it's made very clear that nobody's meant to give solutions. It's made clear that you're not meant to, it's not meant to be judgmental. You are helping that individual to work their way to a solution to that issue. Because very often, again, like I said at the beginning, the, the answer's there. It just, you just need help to draw it out. So I might have an issue relating to a member of staff or relating to an operational situation that I've got to deal with. And I'll bring it to the table and say, look, this is what my issue is. I need to be able to move the table from A to B, but I can't see a way through that. And so individuals might ask me, have you considered what happened the last time you moved it? How do you feel about it? Why do you want to move it? How will it be beneficial for you to move it? This is what happened when I moved my table. So they give you lots of things to think about. And it's almost your opportunity to think things out loud with an audience. And your, your kind of audience are those, pe- you know, those, those kind of thought processes that are usually in your mind, but you've got them out loud in front of you that can really help you to talk things through. And by the end of it, not only is it encouraging in, in the sense that you've got this thing out and you invariably have a solution, it's, it, it's that opportunity to to know that you're not the only one that might have that kind of issue and it's so it's very comforting sometimes and often when we finish the session you know you go away with an action because the whole point of coaching is that you know you're leaving your client with an action you need to go away and do x y and z because you've come with a situation you've come with a a challenge you've come with a, a problem therefore at the end of that situation you need to go away and do something about it and sometimes when it's relating to a member of staff it's a conversation that you might have and one of the great things I like about the group coaching and it can happen in individual coaching as well as the skill of the coach is to be able to give that individual tools so coaches have a wealth of tools that they use it might be linked to parent adult model it might be used to the grow model it might be about skill and will but they help the client to work through their situation by giving them access to these coaching tools that they can then use in their own situation and very often if it's for instance relating to a conversation that you have to have with a member of staff it might be some sentence starters and I think sometimes we might think it's negative to have to rehearse a conversation that you're going to have especially if it's a difficult conversation but actually rehearsing that conversation beforehand makes it a lot easier because you know how you're going to go into that conversation you know the direction that you want it to go in you know you have an outcome that you want that to have from the, as a result of that conversation and it also gives you a structure to work by and obviously you'll never know what the other person will say because you can never preempt exactly what they're going to say but at least you have a starting point and at least it makes you feel more confident going into that conversation that difficult conversation that you may have to have how long have you been doing it for the sessions uh, since 2014 okay yeah, since I, since I became a deputy head teacher. Have you had the same groups, same um, people in the group? No, so when I started, I was in a deputy heads group, and okay. that was, you know, the deputy heads, there was about five or six of us, and then when I became a head teacher, I moved to a head teachers group, which was in a different borough, right. so along with uh, Tower Hamlet's head teachers, which again is, is interesting cause it, because it's given a different dynamic to the whole conversation, and it's a different coach that runs it as well. Just she, it, yeah. She's got a different style which, if I'm honest, I prefer the other coach's style just because she gives more coaching tools for you to use. But, and, and she'll be, mm. she's quite, the other coach that we had is, is quite apt to kind of get up, get the whiteboard, you know, write things down on a whiteboard and 
it you know, visualize things and then go through certain coaching models so it's with the other coach that I learned about the whole aspect of skill and will when you're looking at a member of staff and how how skilled they were and how willing they were and you know okay. marking it up on a on a um so there's a bit of development I guess a bit of sort of training yeah and and then learning Coupled. about the parent adult mode uh, yes. that you can get um and you know critical parent mode that kind of thing uh, and also looking at the whole, adult child yeah yeah and that yeah. And, and it's things like that that and also we did a lot on Myers-Briggs and that's something that's come out a lot from a school point of view and even though there's lots of those types of models around having an awareness of different personalities and why somebody might respond or act in a certain way and how that might impact on how you respond and act yeah. all helps to enable you to have better relationships with those people that you work with and live with because I think it's a kind of you know a, a holistic thing so I think coaching from that point of view because it's not giving you answers it's helping you to find mm. the answers is it, it's, it's such a powerful resource and and I would yeah. wholeheartedly recommend anybody to get themselves a coach I think I think that's it you've sort of hit the nail on the on the head to coin a phrase because it just goes across all areas of work and life whether it be of course education is our main thing as you know if you've been listening to the show for any amount of weeks but it's also it goes across corporate world even if you aren't even in work and you're at home you know it can work in in the home dynamic it can work obviously on the on a sports field which is kind of where coaching came from anyway and yeah it you know it's pervasive it goes all the way across kind of life and society and, and it's very powerful there's lots of informal types of coaching that happens and and that I've used a lot more over the years since I was coached and and of course there's a formal arrangement as we've been mentioning so you know coaching is so powerful and as you were speaking I was thinking to myself that that's something that should in some way shape or form should be kind of spread that message that information should be shared uh, not just in terms of some people receiving coaching for example the people that work for you Amanda but I think they should have tools to be able to coach others yeah. and have that experience because a lot of um a lot of the best learning that i've received in a professional dynamic is has been when i've tried it out when i've had that experiential learning and dynamic yeah i think that's when your whole aspect of line management comes into play because during line management that should be very much a, a coaching dynamic that you have yeah. because is that the case with your um, teams at the moment, yeah, I, I, I believe so. It's a it's a combination of the two. Some of it has mm. to be directive in terms of task yeah, orientated, yeah, yeah, of but some of it is because the the teachers are in my line management team are also leaders. So it's about they come with a, a challenge. You know, PE teacher might think, oh, you know, I've got to have this conversation with the PE coach. Yeah, how do I go about that? And so we talk through possible scenarios and, and and look at right how how do you feel about having that conversation how do you think you should go into that conversation what do you think will be said as a result of it yeah so very much it's trying to put the onus back onto them and it's interesting because about a couple of years ago when I was going through and, and talking to a particular member of staff in, in leadership at a previous school that I was at I used to use some of these tools with them when I was talking them through situations and then they then went on to do the MPQSL, which was the National Qualification for Seats for Senior Leaders. 
And they then came across some of the tools and they were like, ah, I've seen what you've been doing now. When you've been having conversations, I understand what you were doing. And it was good for them to see how beneficial the methods that I'd been using had been for them and understanding why I was using certain methods and why I would always push back because very often it would be a case of they'd come to me and say, I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z, expecting me to come up with a solution, but I would always throw it back to them. Then when they did their course and there was an element of coaching in it, they could understand the theory behind what I was doing. So what, what's the, in that particular example, what's the, what would you say is the benefit of taking the route you took, which is not to give them the answer and for them to go on a merry way, but to actually support them and coach them and reflect it back for them to deal with? I think if you are always giving somebody the answers, then they will rely on you all the time and they'll, you'll become a bit of a crutch for them. And also, it's it's Brilliant. not it's Four not. Marks. Thank you, <laughs> and it's 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 not developing them as leaders if you are always giving them the answers, and also it, it's making them lazy leaders yeah. because they they think to themselves, well, I'm not sure how to work it. I'll, I'll ask this person. I'll ask this person. Whereas they've, in order to be an effective leader, you've got to be able to be solution focused. You've got to be able to sit and think. And sometimes it's hard. It is hard sometimes. And never has there been a time where it's hard to be solution focused mm. and at this moment with this pan- pandemic where you've got lots of decisions to make and I would love for someone to just give me the answers and c- tell me what to do but we're in a position where no one's actually been in that situation before so I have to s- think things through I have to think right what would happen if I did it this way what would happen if I did it this way yeah. I have to be able to find people that I can talk to in order to help me to talk through some of those challenges and find solutions and so I'm at this point in time, I'm definitely being my own coach because as much as I would want to have someone with a, a, a guidebook or a manual with all the answers, actually it's making me think, it's making me consider my leadership as a whole, it's making me having to think about the type of conversations that I'm having with different people. But also what's really interesting is that I spoke to one of my leaders this week or a couple of my leaders this week about how I'd like them to support the teachers that are in their phase group and one of them came back to me and said yes actually you know I acknowledge these things that I need to do I'm going to draw on the personal development tools that I was given a few years ago because I understand people's personalities Mm. and I've got an idea of people's personalities I'm going to draw on that in order to help me to be more effective in my leadership so even that individual who probably hadn't looked at those coaching tools that she probably uses them without thinking and you Mm. know but actually going back to those tools that she had and recognizing now is a time to actually put them into into practice was a you know i mean it was a it's a really great moment for me to to read that because like yeah okay we're we're on the same page with this i think that's it those are the kind of key things in leadership and there's a quote that i came across on an insta story earlier on today which 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 was just simply said lead with strategy not emotion Mm. and it got me thinking that the flip side is a lot of the time very true leadership can be very emotional and of course you know there is emotions involved because when you lead even yourself let alone people you deal with you know as we're saying people's personalities people's action inaction people's concerns and whatever but I don't think leadership a lot of the time in my experience has been strategic enough and, and and sometimes it can be emotionally emotionally charged, or it can could, can be based on you know a, a whim or a gimmick or a just a you know something that is very short sighted. 
but yeah, leading with strategy and with more sort of intention and more sh- solution focused keeps it very objective yeah. and takes out yeah. a lot of the emotion. Emotion and emotion is a positive thing. It's not always negative. People see emotion as just, you know, someone crying. It's more than that. But in the sense of, you know, just being kind of tossed to and throw in this direction and that direction based on what people say or what people think, as opposed to it being a good or a positive or an effective thing to do. Yeah, one of the things that first coach that I had as part of the, the uh, deputy heads coaching action, it's called Action Learning Group. And as part of that group, the, the coach that we had at the time, when one of the deputies used to talk about having conversations, difficult conversations with members of staff, they might say, oh, yeah, you know, the last time I had a conversation with a member of staff, they, used, they cried. And so it's like, I didn't know how to continue the conversation. And the coach said, your phrase, because she was very much on giving us key phrases to, to, to use in our you know, as a tools in our arsenal, the phrase that she always said that we should say is, what are the tears about? Because again, when you're having a, especially from a leadership point of view, yeah. and you're talking about... Put it back on them. You're talking about task and you're talking about the actual job itself. There shouldn't be any emotion as such in that. So it's being able to see what's behind those tears and, and realising that this is a conversation that has to happen mm. because it relates to performance. So therefore, we have to have this conversation at some point rather than, you know, and accepting that, yes, that person may be emotional and may be crying, but what is it that's caused that person to cry at that point in time? And once you can understand that, you can then decide, right, whether, yes, it's a a good time to continue that conversation because actually they're crying because they've realised that they're not performing effectively Mm. or they're crying because this morning their cat died or or they're they're crying because they're just really tired. Once you can get to the bottom of why why they are crying and what those tears are about and understand the emotion behind it, then you can move forward. But very often what you'll find is those conversations where people start crying. It's crocodile tears. That's when you... Sometimes, not always, yeah. Sometimes. But that's, that's sometimes people's instant reaction is, I find this really difficult conversation... I'm, yeah, you know, it's a default. Yeah, default so I think response. that was really good advice. I've never had to use it exactly, but I've obviously modified the phrase. But it's always been quite useful. Why did you modify? Because I felt that that wasn't something I was fully comfortable with saying at that point in time with that individual. Do you remember it, how you said it instead? No, I don't remember. Oh. But I, I didn't use the words, what are the tears about? Is probably It might have been something like, why, you know, why are you crying? Or what, what is it that's upsetting you about this conversation? So at least I can kind of or get to grips with, and some some you know I don't remember exactly the response, but some of the time it might be a case of I don't know, and so therefore you have to then continue the conversation. Well, they don't know, or you they don't know, know where the tears are. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Although they probably do. Let's be honest. But um, I, I remember um, obviously talking about CPD, which is our our main focus. I remember, well, I do and I don't remember. There was some CPD we received when I worked at the secondary school. And it might even have been myself who arranged the external person to come in. But how, um, what are we, six years on, seven years on? From there, I have no idea what it was about. But all I do remember is that lady had a very thick accent, which made a lot of us kind of laugh during the session. But the, the yeah, so the phrase that I remember is her talking about the word emotion. I think it's towards the end of the course as well. And it's always stuck in my mind that she was talking about breaking it down into energy and motion and how emotion can be very positive if you channel it and direct it in the right way. And I just remember, as we're talking about the word emotion, it just made me think of that term energy emotion as opposed to just crying 
and just you know it being a, a negative or you know as we're kind of saying leave give people their distance or leave them alone yeah. if they're crying type thing not necessarily always the case but but no coaching is something I I do really really love coaching because it can be and is such a powerful tool mm. I did a six month course as I kind of was alluding to before when I used to work at the Metropolitan Police um, which is a massive organization at the time they just offered so much professional development it was really really strong really powerful stuff and a lot of it came from what's what they called at the time the leadership academy and, and there was a senior officer or what previously a senior officer who became civilian staff who retired from and then moved on to the civilian side and he off, and they offered so much development one of them was a six-month leadership coaching course that, that I went on and and the tools and the content and a lot of the approaches I still use more informally on through through life now yeah I think coaching is one of the most powerful tools that you can have in your CPD arsenal I think if you can be coached and also if you can develop coaching tools it will definitely help you in whatever role you have because there's no better there's no better skill than being able to help a a conversation move along there's no better skill than being able to draw out someone's understanding of a situation that they're in there's no better tool than being able to support somebody to find a solution to a problem that they have and coaching in any sphere of life will cover all of those avenues and I think it's it's something mm-hmm. that's still even though it's it's more widely known it's I think it's still quite underrated and I think you're right you know yeah. you know maybe back in the early 2000s it was there was a boom bit of a boom for it but it's still something that's not seen as the power of it is not as well known and as well it, yeah. as well appreciated i think that's definitely true because then if that was going to be the case then it would see much more of it and yeah. it, would, it would be a staple it would be part of performance you know in the performance appraisal process in even from the start of interview and throughout yeah people's uh career journeys I guess and I think one of the problems is that within a within a business it all comes down to budgets and I think about the teachers that I have and the staff and I've got a new member of leadership who is going through that coaching process simply because she hasn't been on that process she was a leader in a previous school but she hadn't had any leadership training so I thought it was beneficial in order for her to bring her up to speed but the the question was asked okay do you want to have additional coaching for your current leaders you know the, the ones that went through it before just a refresher and it's like mm, I've got to think about my budget and I think about okay what what's what's immediately important from a monetary point of view maybe something later on down the term when I can see how much money I've got left type thing because I know that I've got other commitments in terms of CPD to bear in mind and that's going to be the same for a lot of companies and I know that CPD is it not no but different aspects of CPD that are related because there's some aspects of coaching I can you know develop myself yeah whereas actually from a from other leaders point of view it might be more specific to a bit like we talked about the other day specific to their their role that it might be more related to their subject area you know if it's the the inclusion lead it more more Mm. rather than the the kind of whole development side which I see is beneficial and it's difficult to find that balance and I know that potentially in a lot of larger corporate companies also whereas before they, there was very much a, a coaching culture in a lot of companies yeah. and you used to see a lot of people advertising on 
on the sort of Twitter and, and on the on various avenues, social medias on the internet about how they were going in and doing corporate coaching and supporting this organisation. But when budgets are shifted, it's always I mean CPD is always a thing to to get squeezed. But the coaching side of CPD maybe the, the the aspect that gets squeezed first. Yeah, um, you're right. But ultimately, if we just said it's important and how important and powerful it is, then I question it being cut and it shouldn't be cut. And, and there should be ways that we should find to try and roll it out in some way, shape or form. It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, there's different, obviously, there's obviously lots of people that deliver coaching training and can put that in place. And there's, there's ways around it. If it's, if it's that important, if it's that powerful, then I believe there's ways that it can be integrated or implemented even in a small way to fit a budget well i think that's when and when when there's a will where there's a will to ultimately put it in place it will happen regardless of the money lots of things can happen without money yeah and i think that's where the in-house skills come into it because if you've got somebody who's got those coaching skills and has done you know done that training and got that development then that's where you utilize them Mm. whereas what i'm more saying is you know the the business psychologists that used to come in and work with big corporates or what have you that because you know, they, they charge a certain amount yeah. and it's usually quite a chunk, then that's when you have to consider, right, do I have somebody in-house with those genuine skills that yeah. is able to to utilise that and to then change their role slightly in order for them to put that do that coaching role? Or do I not? And do I have to wait until our budget speaks of being able to find somebody who's really effective from an, an outside point of view or is it a dual role that I recruit for you know if personnel the personnel function is it something that somebody in personnel yeah. could do or the training manager could do so I, I agree that it's it's you know that where there's a will it's just being creative in how you how you incorporate that and and whether you upskill people that you already have within your organization in order to make sure that you are able to provide that service to those who work for you absolutely yeah, you know, it could be the case of if it's obviously a funding issue and there's not enough money, because there's obviously only a certain amount of money to go around, as we're saying, then it could be a case of looking at increasing the amount of income or doing some kind of fundraising or just different things. There's just different ways around things. And that's the beauty of coaching, because you, when you're in that coaching space, if you've got a good coach who will ask questions and will not just take the first answer and they'll just go through it and they'll almost keep hitting it, hitting it, hitting it until something cracks or until they see there's more light emerging then that can be very powerful because a lot of time we close can close our minds off to things but then when we explore it some more may Mm. have conversations do more research we realize there is a way of achieving something of getting something yeah but anyway yeah coaching one episode is not enough for this coaching but there you have it so we've come to the end of today's show and like i said it's a kind of two-parter so next week We'll be focusing on mentoring. But before we go, Cleon, do you have any final words? Yes, I've always got final words. Could you always force final words upon me? I have been prepared this time. And don't forget, you can hit us up on social media, on Instagram. Our account is at the CPD show. We are also on, we are on Twitter, aren't we? We are. We are on Twitter. You set it up. And also, yes, I did, <laughs> at the CPD show. You can listen to our show on Spotify, in iTunes, Insta iTunes, no, <laughs> on iTunes, on Spotify, on Deezer. Yeah. Just sounds cool. I have no idea how Deezer <laughs> works, but it sounds good. Well done, Amanda, for setting up Deezer. Thanks. And on Google Play. And Stitcher. And Stitcher. 
And Podbean. Yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> my final thoughts, my final words. And uh, I must quote this source. It may not even have come from this source, but this source put it out on Instagram. It's the Young Black Teachers Network, I believe they're called, at YBTN underscore UK. And we are very grateful at the CPD show to them because they promoted our our Instagram name. What is it called? Profile name? Tagline? What is that? Whatever at, you want it to be called. That thing, yeah. The at CPD show, they promoted it on their page, which we're really grateful for. So some of the things that are on these last thoughts are things that... Things like, remember, remember these following things. If you learn something new, teach others. If you make a mistake, apologize. If you are appreciative, show it. If you are stuck, ask for help. If something isn't working, change it. If you are mistreated, speak up. And if someone doubts your skills, keep going. Those are my final thoughts. Fantastic. Thank you very much for those, Cleon. We will see you in the next podcast. It's goodbye from me. Bye-bye. Stay safe.